This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative, and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hi there, and welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico, and as usual, I'm happy to be joined by my good friend and co-host Sam. And today, Sam and I have finished the book Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To, written by Dr. David Sinclair. And this was a very fascinating book. I really liked, liked reading it, and it changed how I look at the world in my life way more than I had expected. Uh, so Sam, how did you like the book? I, I really liked it. I have read a few things in the area already. So I found myself getting a little bit annoyed at them when they were talking about like, oh, people in science don't think this is science and tell us off mm. for like being so radical in this space. I'm like, you're not that radical. You guys are following other people that have talked about this. What are you talking about? And I kind of every time they did that, I got a bit annoyed. But like the science was nice. I quite like that it's, um, they did go a bit more into the, not just the specifics of how it works, but also the ethics and the long-term things around it. And also things like climate change and how that's going to affect lifespan and sort of and pandemics and things uh, in the later chapters, which was quite interesting because that obviously does actually affect how long people live for, as well as the just cellular the chemistry of aging and things which is where it sort of starts mm -hmm. so yeah as overall I, I feel it was actually a really good summary book for the topic because i was initially a bit skeptical of like i felt like other things have been better but after it i was like okay if i was going to recommend one book i think it'd be this one yeah i fully agree and also got my philosopher yeah i mean i, I felt like <laughs> starting to philosophize when i heard when i heard about you know what what living to 150 would mean for the world so i suggest mm. we try and keep the book summary short and then we can try and act all intellectual <laughs> and discuss yeah. the ramifications and the ethics on that. Very good. Making All right, forward. I have yeah some short takeaways, which many of them have been taken from the book summary. I'm going to give them a shout out. Hustleescape.com, freaking great summary of the book, which helped me because it's quite complex. I'm a, I know, Sam, you study biology, so maybe for you, it was not that hard, but me, not, not as smart as you. And I found some of the parts pretty hard to follow when it goes into you know, how cells work and all the different compounds and what they do and, and how they're named and all that stuff. Mm. And by the way, I, I, I got the gist, I guess, and, um, and finding a summary also helped. And so the, the first and main point that the book makes is that, so um, Sinclair sees aging as a disease. And so actually that is not like science today or m most of science today doesn't see aging as a disease. And so what happens today is that, and I found this very, uh, like a very good wording. It's what we do today, what doctors do is whack-a-mole medicine. I found that very good. So basically you whack a mole and then another mole comes up. And that's what I see happening with a lot of practices around, you know, serious diseases like heart diseases. What else is there? Brain disease like Alzheimer's. So you get treated for one of your diseases and that results in, in you dying of something else. Yeah. So, you, you just wait until it happens basically. And then you go, oh God, this thing. And yeah. you just try and put people back together. You don't stop the damage from happening in the first place. And so one of the reasons why this, like why I feel about this so, so much is that my grandmother, she has to take 20 pills each day. And so she has this app on her phone that reminds her every two hours, like you have, you have to take this and this and these pills. 
uh, and it's horrible. And so she was taking so many pills and it was like, so some pills had a side effects and then she had to take other pills to, you know, for the side effects of the first pills. And then she had the side effects from that as well. And it was just a mess. And now she started reducing the pills that she, she had to take, like from her, like she decided herself, she was going to reduce it. Uh, her doctor agreed and she's feeling way better. Basically to get to the point, aging is actually what causes most of the, the big diseases. So diabetes, cancer, uh, cardiovascular uh, diseases, Alzheimer's, all of these diseases are uh, very strongly related to aging. But science doesn't see it that way and doesn't treat it as that way. And so there's a lot, like billions are being spent on, you know, researching cancer, researching cardiovascular diseases, researching Alzheimer's, while these that money better be spent by researching aging itself, because it's aging that causes or has, is a main cause for many of these diseases. And so if we can find a solution to aging, this will translate into way fewer cases of these uh, the, the diseases I mentioned before. Mm, definitely. And I like, like the example, I had the exact same thing with my grandpa. He had so many drugs, it was insane. And then he did have to go to hospital a few times with getting too bad effects. And he literally just had to stop all of them. And then it didn't seem to make him any worse. And you're like, what? It's kind of odd. Yeah. yeah. It's a really interesting philosophy when you start looking at that because you realize you don't necessarily see the woods from the trees kind of thing when you're just treating every single specific ailment that you have but not realizing where the all these problems are coming from mm. and you just accept aging because it's just something that we've always grown up with and you're like hey people die and then they get older and these are just things you just have to accept but like you said from studying biologies and doing like stem cell researches and you've got cells in your body that don't really age and can turn into any any part of you mm. and there's no hypothetical reason why you can't regenerate your entire body there's just dna that just codes for for what you should be and if you can just keep that dna fresh and going through your body you can just keep your cells young forever and never really get old mm. it's just we just use the psychology of seeing our skin get like older and wrinkly in our sort of bones get worse and everything's slowly falling apart and you don't really need to accept it mm -hmm. which is cool but yeah. yeah we don't really think about it as society but if we were addressing it that'd be a, a big thing so yeah that's like probably the biggest main takeaway from the book is that it doesn't need to happen mm -hmm. and that these things are going to be happening well there's going to be a lot more going on to stop it and i think currently they said that for every month that you're alive your life span prediction is getting one week longer mm-hmm with the current rates of innovation but as this gets better and better it could be two weeks that your life gets extended per month you're alive and then slowly three weeks and four weeks and at that point your life isn't even getting any shorter technically speaking because mm -hmm. every day that you're alive you having an extra day added to your lifespan but that's could be a while but who knows that's yeah. kind of what he says it's coming aiming for yeah practically he described a scenario where at 45 you would go to your doctor you would take like a, a one month cure or like one month uh, pill regimen that would, you know, age you back to when you were 30, basically. And that process would be infinitely repeatable. That's what I got from it. And if you think about it, that's absolutely insane. I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely sign up for that. But uh, let's get into the, the ethics of that a bit later. Yeah, I've I found because let's go because I don't want to go too deep into the biology, but one of the fundamental things that he discussed that I, I picked up on was that we have like two different modes in our body and one of the modes is the thriving mode where you like our body focuses on making sure that we reprodu reproduce as optimally as possible 
And when we are reproducing, we actually, our body is not that concerned with aging and making sure that we survive. And then the second mode is more the survival mode, where the focus of our body is not so much on reproducing, but more on just keeping us alive and keeping us healthy and, I don't know, fresh or young or whatever. I don't know. Did you get that as well? Or am I absolutely butchering the book? Yeah, he definitely was. He talks about, or I, I thought he said that's more of like a species level that most animals optimize either for proliferation or like longevity. So you'll have like some animals that would reproduce loads, like, I don't know, like rabbits or something. Or others where like you only have like a few offspring, but you mm. are like a super long lived. But like it still happens at a level within you. As in like as a human, you you bear more of the costs, or any animal when you are like thriving. So I think it relates kind of to the um, Nicholas Taleb sort of thing of anti fragile and stuff of like fasting and stuff. When you aren't when you sort of go into like that kind of more survival mode, you you aren't able to be like having lots of babies and things, but your cells do just sort of keep themselves maintained better and you're killing off the bad ones because you're in like a fast mode and that way you will like live longer mm -hmm. whereas if you're sort of as a guy like eating all like the meat and testosterone and like getting birth and stuff and having more children and sex and things you actually are aging faster during that process and so i think from the studies they've sort of shown that okay if you actually have like a really low calorie diet and basically don't really have any fun and you have live being like super weak but you will like live longer and it's being able to switch those genes on but without bearing the cost of basically having kind of low energy and no food the whole time and mm. is where you want to be and certainly like for women if you get to that extreme then you're kind of going to stop having your periods and just be like super unhealthy but actually you will kind of live longer yeah but because like just not being... with the yeah yeah, because Sorry. I don't think being unhealthy would be the correct word there. Right? Yeah. It is more like, and that's exactly my point. I feel like you can either live your life, you know, <laughs> live fast, die young or whatever, you know, where you, mm -hmm. uh, you, you as, a, as a guy, either you, I mean, you could either eat and, and enjoy life that way, or you can, you know, lift weights and, and get like get a lot of testosterone, a lot of muscles, you know, have sex with all the, the pretty 20 year olds and live life that way. Or you can, you know, live moderately, uh, don't eat too much, uh, don't drink too much, don't smoke, don't use drugs make sure you're in bed by 10 at the max and that way you will be able to not you won't thrive but you will live long and i feel mm. like in, in today's society you don't need to be extreme physically to thrive if you know what i mean because so much of our mm. value today as opposed to when we were living in cave in caves is uh intellectual and so you can if you live to 100 and you can make sure that your brain stays young you can do insane things up until the moment you you die at a hundred. Although even you you might not be able to you know lift your body weight over your head. Yeah. And so I felt and and that's something I've seen recurring in in a lot of things. And that also I think that's why, for example, he talks and he actually came very close to convincing me to stop eating meat. It was the first time I've really really considered it, and I might still. But anyway, he was talking about that red meat has proteins that are bad for your longevity uh, but they do help with building muscle mm. and so i think i think that explains when i think of someone who is vegan uh, sorry sam i think of someone who's relatively skinny you know i don't know a lot of very mm. fat vegans or even muscular vegans and so they're very lean and and so yeah and a few bodybuilder vegans yeah you know there there are there that's true uh, but anyway so the the point is to conclude this this part is that as far as my understanding goes we as humans have like a thrive mode and we have a survive mode and if you want to live as long as possible uh, it's better to be in survival mode than to in than in thrive mode yes <laughs> <Cool>. basically <laughs> let's let's get that into was, uh... how, how we can do that 
because I think that's mm. I found yeah, that most important. You did just touch there on eating less meat, and exactly. you said like generally speaking, yeah. eat mostly plants, mm. not too much food for a start. It's not the the neat way of saying it. It's like eat food, not too much, mostly plants. I think is the uh, age old mm-hmm. saying, age old. and yeah. that's exactly what they also say. Just has less things in it that are kind of more bad for your body. I can't remember the exact specifics of it, which is unhelpful. But like with various things that are just a bit more toxic to your body when you have a lot of them, especially in red meat. Mm-hmm. So I have a list of things we can do. So first, eat less. So that means calorie restriction. And then that also is, is tied to intermittent fasting. So he says it's, uh, it's very good for you to once in a while skip a meal or even skip two or even skip 10 in a row, I guess. So you can either... I try to eat eat my breakfast as late as possible, but I, I know you, Sam, you've had some days where you didn't eat at all. What's your longest fast? Yeah. Uh, my longest was five days. Insane, man. Anyway. I yeah, think, that, uh, was, that was long. Yeah. But um, so <laughs> long fast, you don't want to live while, while you're doing like you're unhappy, but it's going to make you live longer. So uh, I guess <laughs> that's good. So that's intermittent fasting. Then there's uh, yeah lower pro- protein, vegetable rich diet. And then there's exercise, and he specifically points to high-intensity interval training, or more the high-intensity stuff. So that's most effective to boost whatever systems in your body uh, help you living longer. And then finally, uh, he also talks about cold exposure. So uh, swimming in ice-cold lakes will also help you live longer, keep your cells young. Uh, so I know there's like this new therapy where you go into this thing that, I don't know, it's minus 180 degrees or something crazy. That's supposed to have uh, like help or be healthy as well so these are things that we could do in our daily lives and I, my, me personally I, I i like them i i think i believe him and i i feel I'm, I'm eating less protein already and if i have the chance i'll definitely take a dip into a uh, freezing water so, so you not even just eating as much protein in general or just animal protein so i still have my bag of whey protein that i have here that i eat post-workouts but when it's gone i either will just skip the extra protein altogether or i might go to Collagen protein, which is also which is also animal protein, but not as bad apparently. Or I might go to I know pea protein, some some animal base, uh, some yeah. I'm on the vegan proteins. Vegan protein. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you're just. I don't know how much you normally eat, like 180 grams of protein a day, kind of thing. If you're going to cut down to like 100 or something, where you plan to. Yeah. So I think there again, there's a trade-off. So I think if I want to, because I, I do CrossFit very regularly, almost on a daily basis, and I think if I want to thrive in CrossFit. It's going to be bad but for my long-term health. So, and I think if I want to like live as long as possible, it's going to, it's going to negatively impact my performance while crossfitting. And so there I, I feel there's a trade-off to be made. But I, I probably won't feel so guilty if I don't get my, you know, my, my, my uh, protein for the day. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I've, I've generally, over the last few years, been eating vegetable-based protein, plant-based protein, and not eating quite so much. But I did eat. A lot more over the last few months I was living with people that just sort of we'd have like a really big egg breakfast kind of thing and I did mm. definitely start getting buffer which was kind of cool but then um, I'm keen to have less animal source of protein again mm-hmm. doing a lot of running anyway so I wanted to lose a bit of mass so mm. I'm probably a bit too buff as it is so plan to cut that down a bit but yeah definitely still stuck in that like hmm, kind of enjoy being able to put on the uh, muscles and things yeah it looks kind of good so <laughs> Yeah, it it yeah. is. I, it sounds really weird, but the last few months I've kind of it's always been a bit surreal looking at my body in the mirror and stuff, and I'm like, holy shit! I'm like one of these weird people with all these muscles. <laughs> it's uh, 
it's mm-hmm. a bit odd. Mm-hmm. Um, Enough showing yeah, off, Sam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. It and is then, just odd. Yeah, I haven't true. got used to it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, cold exposure. I have been doing cold exposure over the last few months because I was living by the sea. So mm. I find it quite easy to um, try and go in once a week or maybe a few times. Nice. But I, I still have not been good at doing cold showers. Mm. Like, I don't know why... Because hypothetically speaking, the sea is colder and it's worse in every single way. Mm-hmm. But it's just like a, this is hard thing, just go and do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas at home in the shower, I don't know why, just trying to get into it. It's, mm-hmm. I'm useless. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well. All right. Then he also talks about things to avoid. So um, he, well, a few things. So there's smoking, there's pollution, there's plastic, plastics in your food pesticides, and also foods treated with sodium nitrate, uh, such as beer, cured meats, and cooked bacon. Um, and also tries to avoid radiation, gamma rays, and UV lights. And so obviously, he's, he, he, the author says that you can't avoid all these things, but uh, he, for example, when he's taking a plane, he asks, if possible, for a pat-down instead of going through the machine that scans you, which I found interesting. And in general, I think this is most of the things we know, right? So smoking is bad. And I think, I feel like it's, it's again, the, the whole anti-fragility idea from Taleb, where uh, if as humans, we haven't been doing this for, for thousands of years, it's probably not that good for you. Yeah. Where did they say alcohol? Didn't they say that was bad? I think he did. I think he did. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the things in there. Alcohol is uh, not, well, it's, it's been definitely not beneficial. Although in red wine, there is this compound uh, from grapes that will help you live longer, but I think the alcohol actually offsets the benefits from uh, <laughs> from from that. So um, we, it's better, and then we can talk about specific compounds later as well. Mm. Yeah. Do we have anything else to talk about before that? That was next nope. on my list, but maybe. Yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good. <laughs> Seeing this transition going on yes. there. Thank you, Sam. So. Yeah. Go ahead. It's okay. I think I had four main compounds that they spoke about, like rapamycin, metformin, resveratrol, and NDA. NAD. NAD. Boosters. Yeah. Great. NAD boosters. But was there another one before those? I can't remember. No, that's that's also the ones that I have. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. So rapamycin is the one that's been sort of the most effective at like improving the body mm-hmm. in terms of cell aging and things, but it's also the most toxic and risky one to be taking. Mm. So it hasn't really been adopted as such, but it, it does it is like quite impressive some of the changes it's made. Uh, but w- with all of these things, I am just going to caveat with the fact that they talk a lot about these studies going on in like mice and uh, worms and things. And they're like, oh, yeah, so mice would live like 25% longer. Mm-hmm. This is like another 25 years in human life or something. And then you're like, but actually, it's not quite the same. And I spoke with Aubrey de Grey, who's one of the leading gerontologists of aging research. And he was like, yeah, it's not. It's just not the same. And certainly, even with like the fasting thing, sort of, it's had huge effects in mice. But he doesn't think it's going to add more than like a year to your life in mm. human years and stuff. So, I wouldn't take all of it straight away. But it's um, certainly has some signs. And if it mm. does, maybe add like one year. It's like, okay, sure, try taking these different things if it's not going to hurt you. So the rapamycin does have the potential to hurt you. So I probably wouldn't bother with it, basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas metformin has been used for many years as like many, many years for um, people with diabetes. And it also seems to actually reduce the, um, a lot of like the aging related related diseases Hmm. and makes people live longer. (laughs) So it seems like a kind of a safer bet Mm -hmm. to try taking. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I did take that for a few years and oh, really? have been reminded that I should probably start taking it again. That and, <laughs> yeah. That it's, explains uh, why you look like you're 20, although you're mm, 30. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm getting a bit more like slightly wrinkly in the mm. face. Not hardly like a lot, but I think I, I just have this, like this bit, like I'm just permanently semi-frowning when I'm using my computer and probably in the rest serious. of my life. I just don't yeah. know. Yeah, just chill out. Mm-hmm. That's more of the smiling. They talk about resveratrol, which they, they talk about the amazing effects of resveratrol and how great it is for a long time. And then right at the end, there's like a little paragraph being like, oh, but we're not really sure if it's actually effective at all in like the compound chemical being taken in by humans. And then that's it. And you're like, so do I take it? What was the point mm. of this? And so I'm not sure. I It might help a lot. It might not help at all. And that's kind of what I got from this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you learned something different and if I missed it. No, so I, I found the, some of the anecdotes that he said were pretty interesting. So he first, uh, there was a story about uh, a woman who had had her menopause. So she didn't have any period anymore. And when she started taking one of these compounds, I think it was NMN, she actually <laughs> regained her period. And so she became fertile again, theoretically. Uh, that was crazy. He also talks about his dad, who was in his 80s, and was becoming a grumpy old man, which I personally expect to be <laughs> as well. And he, w- when he started taking NMN, actually became like mentally younger. And he started doing this crazy stuff like kite surf, no, kite, not kite surfing, but ra- rafting and all that stuff in his 80s, which is insane. So I found that powerful as well. And so it, obviously it's not conclusive evidence that it works, but I found it cool. And then also the fact that he, as a like one of the main researchers on this, takes these compounds himself, makes it interesting for me and is probably the main reason why I would be considering taking some of them. So um, he says says at the end that he takes a combination of metformin, NMN and resveratrol. So these three molecules he takes himself. And I mean, if you look at a picture of him, he looks pretty young and he says that he feels 30, although he is 50. But yeah, I mean, it's again like the skin in the game thing. Like he, he, do, he doesn't benefit from selling us these things, but he takes it himself. So yeah, it, I'm certainly considering them, but I might wait until there's more proof and, and more human trials. Yeah, so I sort of something's definitely not going to do any damage. Then I guess it's sort of, it's okay. But then we don't know if the, if, if there are mm. no long term effects. Obviously, something else going on. We might yeah, grow a third yeah. arm or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it says that like it's it's more like once you're forty, you're going to start noticing more of the effects from like metformin things rather than earlier. But I'm not sure if it's just because they haven't really done so many trials in people that are younger, or mm. if it's just pointless. And mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's just like another thing to be thinking about and putting time into into your day. So perhaps it's taking, in the end, a year of your life just from like dealing with like different tablets and things. I'm looking forward to uh, one day just that one of my business ideas was uh, literally being able to write all of the different supplements you want to take and then just having it come as like one giant pill or like two pills but just like assorted but it's like mm. personalized for you and it's like put is the right amounts that you ask for based on like your body weight and the different things you might be needing just to save the faff of having like a bunch of different like things but that's for people that are like body hackers and bother to have all those things anyway initially but then i guess that's my super user group and then the long term i guess everyone wants and say mm. it's like a perfect business but that's interesting anyway I, I, yes. I, this brings us into why like <laughs> our why we're excited for this podcast and that's the ethics of it and i think my first point is that I feel that this book is like very much against the anti-fragile thinking of Taleb in his in his works. It's like this is very much humans who are you know going against nature and 
figuring out ways to hack our bodies. And so, for example, what you just said, Sam, and, and like making pills with all the specific supplements that people need, that means that we have complete, complete understanding about what each supplement does with the human body um, and what everyone needs. And I feel like we're not there yet at all. And so he would argue that it's probably better to just eat a healthy diet, you know, when we described not too much, mostly vegetables or mostly plants. And so if you try to figure out, okay, you're going to need exactly this, you're probably going to miss out on some compounds that are so tiny that people haven't even realized they exist and yeah we might miss out there or do some stuff in the long run that we didn't know that might hurt us yeah definitely and sort of the whole thought around taking just all the multivitamins in excess mm -hmm. that you get enough of them is generally proven to be like not at all mm -hmm. helpful and sometimes unhealthy besides just being a bit expensive so it is interesting but mm -hmm. i yeah i don't know what your favorite sort of points for debating were on the general book what one point i actually had that's a bit just completely random i don't know if you noticed it but i thought the whole book was just it was it was fine it was a book but it wasn't funny and it didn't try to be funny at any point apart from like this one section when they're talking about like the menopause and if it actually needs to stop and things and they're talking about like menopause is currently final full stop which is just like a slight joke and then they talked about it with mouses as mousopause and things and it i just doesn't know if they were trying to be funny or not and it was just two guys writing and it just stuck out to me as really weird i don't know if you like noticed that or not no no, no, no. yeah i just thought that it was just like a terrible pun that they put in there whilst talking about like women and their bodies and things mm. and I'm like guys white guys doing this is this right i don't <laughs> what's going on here that's fair no I, I for me what i what i first would like to discuss with you is one is like is this research good? Like, do we want to be able to live forever as a species? What's your opinion on that? I think it's interesting you know, the way they're talking about some of the ethics of these things. And they sort of said, like, if smallpox returned and everyone had to get a vaccine, a parent that didn't get their kid vaccinated would be, like, total terrible human being. And actually, if aging is a choice and we could vaccinate against it, and, you know, you could suddenly be living, like, twice as long as you mm -hmm. currently do. If this was something that we weren't, used to kind of thing we were like shit we have to do this straight away but because mm -hmm. we're used to it we're like we, we're the opposite way around we're like what why are we allowing ourselves to live longer and change the way like mm -hmm. society works and the aging of all these things and they they're a little bit idealistic about some of it around i think at one point they're talking about oh we get too stressed out now in the modern environment we're trying to be too fast and things and if we live twice as long we'd all be super chilled and like we'd be like oh yeah i'll do this degree and then like 20 years later i'll do a different degree or whatever and i like, wouldn't worry about it but i'm like we already lived twice as long as we did sort of a few hundred years ago and i think we have more concerns and stresses and more existential angst of what the frick we're doing with our lives um, right now because of the way technology is going and all that kind of stuff so i don't think that it necessarily solve all of our worries and problems just because we get to live a bit longer can i get into that yeah yeah that yeah, you can we can debate that if you yeah, want because i i actually after reading the book i felt more calm i guess about thinking you know about yeah. career and, and what i want to achieve and it's like really i felt like okay i'm gonna have more time and i don't have to stress out that much and i tend to compare myself to you know for example my parents and what they had done at my age and at my age, they already had like two kids and my, my, my dad started his business and was like thriving. And I, I was like, oh, I was always looking back and looking at them and I'm like, oh, I haven't achieved that. So I felt like I wasn't going, getting stuff done with my life enough. And reading this book, it like kind of called me down and was like, okay, the time is there. I have the time. Um, I'm trying to be healthy. Um, I don't have to be in a rush. And I know it, I re it really gave me a different perspective on, on life in general. Hmm. That's nice. Guess I already knew about the potential of the things anyway, so it didn't change that. And mm. 
I think I read a, a really good parable by, I think it was by Derek Sivers, or maybe for someone else, but he highlighted it around like the don't be a donkey thing where there's like this, the donkey's in the middle of his stable and on his left he can see the water and on the right he can see the hay and he's constantly like looking left and right because he's super thirsty and he's super hungry and then he just never quite like works out which one to go and get trying mm-hmm. to do both of them and then eventually just like falls down and dies. Mm. And the par- the moral of the story is don't be a donkey and yeah, maybe you want to pursue a career in music, maybe you want to start a business, maybe you want to do all these different things. Like you've got, even if you've only got 80 years or like 60 years, you can do the thing you want to do for eight years and that's probably long enough to really do it really well, be mm. satisfied and then want to do like something else with your life. Do that for eight years and then like you can move on to being a writer for eight years and like you've got lots of time, even with the current parameters, to just chill out and like focus and do things properly and not try to do everything frantically like a silly donkey and mm-hmm. you'll actually enjoy doing it and do it better and yeah you get to do all the things that you want to do still so um I've, i quite like that mm-hmm. as a as a parable and yeah. it sort of helped chill me out um although i'm still going to stick by what i said of i'm not sure or I, I certainly feel like perhaps for myself yeah i would be a bit more chilled out if i knew i was going to be living to 200 as opposed to sort of 80 mm-hmm. um about what i'm doing and 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 so for me i i also feel like let's assume that you and I, Sam, we live to be 120 and that we manage to remain relatively young mentally and physically. And we are like young enough to, you know, work, I guess, until we're 100. That means that we have 70 years ahead of us to, you know, build a career. And I think for me, it's mainly that point that changed the way I look at it. And I was like, I have 70 more years. I don't have to rush this, you know? I don't have to, Mm. you know, start five companies and see which one works or whatever, or like throw my my family life away and, my, and, and no, not speak to my friends to, to be able to, to do this now. And I feel first it gets more, it's more important than ever to be, to start, you know, investing, I guess, young, because, yeah. you know, this compound interest thing, the longer you live, the more powerful it, it becomes. And the longer your time horizon, the better you're able at, at making investment decisions. And so there I found it, uh, it also changed the way I think about things. Like I don't think about what's this company going to do in five years. No, I think about it was this, what is this company going to do in 10 years mm. or in 20 years. And that's really changes like the way, you, the way you look at things. And then, so yeah, I've mm. found it. Uh, yeah. And adopting like new technologies and things, people just sort of don't bother because they're like, oh, I can't be awesome. Like it's too late for me to learn this yeah, new yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like 50 year olds didn't learn social media or whatever for their company. But actually, if you're going to be working for another 40 years, like, okay, you should probably learn social media if it's going to be important kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's an interesting one, definitely. So So. does does this book make you you hopeful or or makes you anxious for the future? It makes me hopeful for the future in that sense, for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, I think another thing I think about is that around the same topic, people think they don't want to necessarily live twice as long or something like they're a bit tied into the current framework of what a life should be Mm. but then the way i've always thought about it is that no one wants to wake up tomorrow and not be able to like walk up the stairs by themselves or get out of a chair by themselves or like Mm. pee in a bag and like watching my my grandparents go through that you're like no one would choose that and they my granddad you know he's got like a normal brain He, he doesn't want to be doing these things he's just sort of like like he's just in the body and you have to accept the body that you're in, but why does your body have to break down? Like his mind worked fine. Mm-hmm. And 
if he could have been his mind in my body, he'd have been running around having a fun time as a 30-year-old, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, he would have no problem with that <laughs> whatsoever. And, yeah, I just don't think we really think about, like, the practicalities properly if when you get to being 80. of like, Actually, if you have a mind that works just because your body doesn't, doesn't mean that you want it to not work. Mm-hmm. If your body is completely fine and healthy, you're just going to want to go and do all the things that you can do. And, and it's so nice being able to be there for like the celebration of like what your grandchildren and et cetera do. And mm-hmm. like, no one really wants to miss that stuff. And yeah, if you're in a world where everyone else, you know, isn't aging and is going to grow old and die and these things, I guess it's gets a bit depressing, mm-hmm. but I still think I'd be able to live with that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. even if not, and I'm in a world where everyone else is living older then yeah, for sure. I wouldn't even think about it. I'd just be mm-hmm. like having a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Two points to that. Cause I think that we also age mentally and our brains also mm-hmm. age like negatively. So as we get wiser and older at some points, we, our brains start to deteriorate as well. It makes it harder to learn new things and all these, and all that stuff. Um, but I feel like, the solutions like whatever is going to stop us from aging aging physically will also stop us aging mentally um so i'm not too concerned about that and then second point is <laughs> i talked to some women that are already in their uh, like after their menopause i told them like this this compound has shown that uh, actually restarted the menstrual cycle of women that had like had them stop and and they were like, oh, but I don't want to have my my period again. I really don't want to. And I'm like, seriously, if if you could press a button and be forty year forty year again physically, like all the benefits, but also the period, would you not press that button? Like a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't know, very narrow minded about this for some reason, or like f- trying to find a way to say like, okay, I don't want this because it's not natural. Yeah. Yeah, Quite I don't know if that's because they're actually reading about that or you know, kind of, uh, what's the negativity bias where you sort of just go with the when you've made a choice or something you kind of want to yeah what's the framework but yeah when you're doing something you kind of seek validation around what you're doing and mm-hmm. you don't want to like the norm to be different because of then you have to like question like whether you're happy and these kind of things mm-hmm. and if they say they want something more than what they have suddenly it's not so good and Cognitive if you are someone that identifies that? as like Hey, I'm a happy person. Yeah, I guess going to distance around these things. Yeah, yeah, probably. Maybe. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, then you want to grow old gracefully and you spend your whole life trying to do that and not be the person that's crying on their birthday because you've got a year older, et cetera. I don't know. Because, I, I mean, I'm still, I still want to be that person that grows old gracefully and isn't crying on my birthday about age and is very happy and mm-hmm. just living through the story that I tell myself each day and very happy with that. But also aware that if there was a way to carry on in a very non-stoic way of being like seeking something that I haven't got, then like I'd, I would still go for that if it makes sense in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's always a balance. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. I feel like uh, we could <laughs> tell advice about yeah. this for a long time, but I've in, in the, let's try to keep this relatively brief podcast. Okay, to, so, uh, to, to, so, so let's go to, mm. um, or something you'd like to discuss or we can do ratings. Yeah. Well, I, the other thing I thought about was just on the innovation chapter, 
where he talks about like really cool things like breath analyzers for cancer, heart diseases, mm. sensors for like your biomarkers that are in like your clothes and your car. So that like at any point in time, it knows exactly how you are and can tell other people if you need like something wrong with you and it's just going to stop like bad things from happening. But then the importance of having like the right data in the right hands. So partly that means that if you can sort of detect if someone's feeling bad or like there's like an infection breakout, you can stop pathogens before there becomes a global pandemic and have travel restrictions going on. But also like a personal level, you can really optimize for that person before they, you can know months ahead before they even have like a problem with cancer or something going wrong or like sort of this like neurological diseases you can pick up on them. And like that's just kind of really cool. But then who owns that data and stuff, which way it becomes interesting and it really made me think about Amazon a lot. So he talks about like, okay, who do you trust to have the data of like your every heartbeat when you're awake and asleep, where you are, when you're sad, if you're driving too fast, if you're having sex, when you're feeling drunk and things. And um, then that just like healthcare is going to be such a huge industry. It's worth like sort of 8% of GDP currently. Mm. And Amazon have literally just acquired, well, have been going into pill pack and going into the medical space quite a lot. And then they've got like Alexa, which records like your thoughts and what you're doing and like, here's what you're doing and stuff. And they've also, have you heard of the Whoop watch? Yeah. Yeah. So they've done like a clone of the Whoop now, which um, is like a cheaper, just as good version, which I'm kind of tempted to get mm -hmm. one because I've got a Fitbit currently, but it's like a much better version. It tells you exactly like how much rest you need and if you should be having like a day off exercise and these kind of mm -hmm. things. And, but if Amazon owns all of that data, they're like, it's like, holy crap. <laughs> and people like worry about Google and all these other things, but then I guess it's like all the giant companies are, getting to know a lot about us mm -hmm. which is kind of i guess a good thing if they can optimize your life for you but it's also kind of worrying that they have that and which is a bit of philosophical of should these things be like differentiated i mean are amazon going to come out with like the next 23 and me kit as well and all that kind of stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i fully agree certainly food for thoughts and food for concern as well and so i guess the way i look at it is I feel like there is potential solution there where we have like some kind of virtual or digital twin that has all this data on us and then we can and that would be like encrypted in a way where we can only we can decide with whom we share it and like different parties can use analytics tools together on our data without necessarily knowing that, that the other one is doing it and like being able to form like a holistic picture on us if you get what I mean um, and I feel like Current blockchain technology might evolve to a place where that will, you know, be a solution where it would become a solution for this kind of stuff. Where you know you have on on the blockchain some kind of your your data is public but encrypted, and only you can provide access to others, and you can also specifically limit what kind of data they can see. Um, and I guess in that way that issue would be solved. But there's going to be some first some technological advancements. One and two, I think we're going to need some uh, regulatory regulatory actions as well like breaking up amazon for example i think uh like you cannot at that point you, you're gonna have to split up you know the company that does the healthcare the company that does the you know the marketplace the company that does the cloud storage uh you know aws etc and i feel like they're um there's still a ways a uh, ways to go before we can safely trust companies with this kind of stuff yeah definitely cool so it was I like that you came up with a cryptocurrency solution. Whenever, uh, whenever, like this kind of information, data, safety, privacy, I think crypto is always a solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I invested in ICO a few years ago that was hypothetically going to do something like that, and they 
didn't do anything. Mm. <laughs> like, so that was a waste of my money. But um, yeah, I do sort of believe that that's a long-term uh, potential for for those things. Cool. But yeah, going into um, reviews and ratings. Uh, do you want to go first? Because it's normally me. Sure. So I'm... I've been really liking this, like the three past books, so Breath, Sleep, and, and Lifespan, because it's they've been changing the way I look at these things so profoundly. So I, I'm going to give this book a nine, I think again, because I've, I've given the others one, other ones a nine as well. I uh, really like him. I really changed the way I look at my own life, like what, what, how much time I have left, I guess. It might also make me eat less meat, which is also very interesting and, and, and commendable, because uh, from an ethical point of view, that was always my goal. But uh quite selfish so <laughs> i didn't want to i didn't want to limit my good food intake anyway so yeah nine for me really like the book i think it's a it's a really important book and i i think older people are like should like i want to give my parents this book and see if they might be interested in taking some of the compounds because i want my parents to live as long as possible and they might be you know i believe that technological advancements will certainly affect you and, and me you and me because if nothing gets better we will still live to be 80 so we still have 50 years left uh, for the advancements to get there uh, but for my parents i think they're at this point uh, where taking these compounds now might make sure that they are still young enough to be eligible for whatever process would make them younger i don't know so yeah yeah certainly and it's you can't really be like mom just take this pill it yeah. seems a bit weird but like if they read it yeah they might want mm-hmm. to so yeah it's a good point i am still going to stick to my um rating which is a seven but i I guess I agree on all of the things you said, but I already was convinced on the benefit of eating more plants mm. and I'm doing that. And I, I already have been trying the different drugs that they speak about and have been reading into the area. So it didn't really change that much of my knowledge, really. I, I kind of just enjoyed the extra bits of philosophy and it was like, okay, if there's one book, it probably would be this one to go and recommend to people, mm. but it, it didn't hit me um, so much. But perhaps I should have given it a better rating as it being like the single source of all of those things to give someone mm-hmm. but too late now going seven and cool. uh, that's how i felt about it awesome all right uh, that rounds up the episode and sam and i have not <laughs> yet decided what books next uh, so that's going to be a surprise for uh, next episode thank you for listening and uh, see you then hey there nico here your second favorite host of the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Sam and I would like to get some feedback from you. So what we're going to do from now on is each episode, we're going to select one random comment from the past weeks and we will give them a free electronic version of the book that we've just read. So if you like what we are doing or if you don't like what we're doing or if you have a comment or a question, just reach out and we might be in touch. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast. As you know, We are doing this to try and help you get smarter. Well, I have another project for podcast listeners just like you who want to be smart. Nico and I learned so much from reading the same things together and discussing them, and I wanted there to be a tool that made it easy for anyone to listen to the same podcasts and books together with their friends. So I'm building the app Syncify, which does just that. It connects you with your friends in the app. Listen to the same things at the same time or create shared playlists and work through them at your own pace. You can share comments and highlights of your favorite bits and become smarter by seeing what your friends think around the same content that you enjoy. As a bonus, it also helps with your mental health and reduces isolation. Personally, I hate publishing my life on social media, which I find all rather antisocial, and I don't go out of my way to phone a friend for no reason other than the fact I feel lonely. 
I do love doing things with other people and having my friends listen to the same things is, is really awesome. I mean, I used to speak to Nico like once a year before we started this book club together and now we talk all the time because we're just doing something together. So do yourself a favour and sign up for the Syncify app at syncifyapp.com and I really hope it helps. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show or learned anything new, be sure to share it with your friends. And I just can't tell you how great it is if you were to happen to leave a review on iTunes. These really do help quite a lot. If you have any questions or books that you'd like us to read, feel free to reach out to us through the website wiserpod.com or reach out to us on LinkedIn. And just keep loving and keep learning and ideally keep listening. Big love from Sam and Nico and the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you.